Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, fans of Life's Accessories, we are talking to Barry Liner. We love Barry, or as we sometimes call her, the memory circle lady, right? We do. So Barry is the chief grief officer, and that is trademarked, and Hmm. the founder of mm -hmm, the memory circle, as you said, Rachel. Barry left a career as a publicist, stylist, and editor to step into full-time work as a certified grief coach. So we want to hear all about that. But as she has said, I dabbled in small motherless daughter events as a peer when I received my yoga teacher training and knew I needed to make the circle bigger. What a nice story. Barry's mother died in 1993 and she dedicates the work that she does to her. Okay. I'm excited to talk to her. Now, listeners, stay listening because this is not going to be as sad as you think it's going to be because no, no we refuse we we don't we talked about this before we're not going to be sad we're not going to be sad no okay the, the day we're recording is my dad's birthday as everybody yeah. knows he died they're like stop talking about it so i'm not going to be sad today all right just saying so we're know. happy we are happy the happy day okay we're the yeah we're the happy great people today <laughs> Barry has studied with the leading names in the grief space, including grief certification and education with Claire Bidwell-Smith. I love Claire Bidwell-Smith, by the way. I know I'm like grief fanning here right now. Okay, can I do that? <laughs> you can and do David you Kessler. It's your, it's your podcast. You can do whatever I can do you want. want. Um, it's your podcast, too. I know. Uh, Barry, it's our podcast. It's, it's our podcast. <laughs> Got it, obviously. <laughs> Barry combines her writing background and yoga meditation training to craft a -a one-of-a-kind way forward in learning to live with loss. She hosts groups one-on-one sessions bathed in her grief-tending techniques. Barry's work has been featured in the Washington Post, Rue Magazine, Essays for Zibby Magazine, on award-winning podcasts like ours, television appearances, and radio shows. She is the mother of Emma and Quinn and resides in New York with her husband, Alex, and pup, Bean. Okay. I'm very excited to bring Barry on and we're going to get into it. Welcome to Life Successories. We're so happy to have you join us today. I'm so glad to be here. Anything that has to do with anything about accessories is all me. <laughs> you are speaking our language. That's what we're all about. Exactly. Yep. yep. I just told Stephanie, I just came to this podcast from a very important meeting on my porch of trying to get some of my grandmother's jewelry redesigned so I actually wear it. So it's a very accessory-focused day. Clients, <laughs> that that's what you have to do. What, how will you wear it? Definitely. Right. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't do any good sitting in your drawer. So now we would love to know the big question of the day, and that is what accessory do you want to talk about with us? Well, it's kind of a crazy one because I carried around the sand that was in my mother's beach bag from the day she died for 30 years. And it wasn't until this year 
that I decided that I was going to make a charm and encapsulate some of the sand, one for myself and one for my sister. So in the very same spirit of what you were saying, something that was so meaningful to me didn't really have a home. And so it lives in this little charm around my neck and I had the back engraved and it's so happy to have it now. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's, I was always trying to find a way that it wouldn't slip. And so it just stayed in the baggie, this decrepit baggie in her (laughs) role for all of these years. And it really wasn't doing much. And a lot of the jewelry that I do have of her, some we've had refashioned and shared with grandkids, but a lot of it was very 80s, 90s. It wasn't really a, a style that we would wear. So you mentioned you have the back of it is engraved. Both um, my sister and I, since we were little, used to sit cheek to cheek in the mirror and say, can you believe it? We really couldn't believe that we were sisters. We knew we were. We look alike. People used to ask us all the time, are your twins? We're four and a half years apart, which uh-huh. uh, was always so funny to me. As the eldest, I thought that was, especially now, that's really a fun question. Yep. Really cheek to cheek and staring and looking at our features and just being so excited that we had each other that way, really never knowing how important that would be when our mom died at 50. But that's what the back says. Can you believe it? Uh, I love I that. Love that. It's really I'm just sweet. Picturing. Yeah. Very sweet. So, first of all, I'm feeling a little guilty today that I kept my grandmother's jewelry in a drawer for 20 some years, but now I don't feel so bad because you held on to the sand, <laughs> the, okay. the bag of sand, the Amazing. bag of sand, <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. Can you please tell us about the beach and the sand and your mom and the significance behind it? Sure. My mom grew up in New Jersey. So we're Jersey girls through and through She called on the day that she died and she said, it is too hot to sell anybody a house. She was an epic realtor and she Mm. said, I'm taking the expletive day off and I'm going to the beach. And she didn't want to go to the beach where we used to um, hang out with like friends she had or Scrabble mates or whatever. She just really wanted the day off. So she went to Sandy Hook Beach She went by herself, a public beach that's really beautiful, and she fell asleep in her beach chair. We know from that day, she had a receipt in her bag for three pounds of Santa Rosa plums, which were her like once a year, black ripe in the inside kind of plums, a trashy novel. She was an amazing reader, but she never brought her good books to the beach. And so she had the paper bag that she bought. And this beach bag that had holes in it, it was like a little mesh. And so I don't know what gave my sister and I the foresight to grab some of it and put it in a baggie. I just wanted to hold something from that day. She was there until sunset, someone on the beach Another couple that was there, they were the last beside my mom to leave. And so when they got up to leave, they didn't want to leave her sleeping. And the woman was a nurse and she knew immediately upon trying to wake my mother that something was wrong. 
and it was before cell phones in 1993. And so she found emergency help and they rushed my mom to the hospital and there was no way to save her. But they did attempt to save all of her organs because she had wanted to be an organ donor. When my mm. grandma died of emphysema, she said those conversations that you have around those big, important topics. And she said, I definitely want my organs donated. If I can help one person with emphysema, that would be my hope. Fast forward like six months down the road, and we found out that they could not donate the organs because they found early stage liver cancer and they had to donate them to, to research. Mm. And so she was a beautiful writer. And I feel as time has passed, it is an ending that she may have written. And when I think about the one that she could have had, there is something poetic and poignant and beautiful, actually. Mm -hmm. And sand, I think, has such meaning because it was just like literally grains from the day. That yeah. annular memory of her being in the sand and of the beach and... I've written about it a hundred times. I've heard this story and I'm watching Stephanie. It's, I mean, come on, right? It does take your breath away. It really does. And thank you for sharing that with us and our mm. listeners. And and we know that you left a career as a publicist and journalist and editor, and you became a certified grief coach and you made that move and your work that you do now is in honor and memory of your mother, right? And so can you talk to us about how you made that transition? Yes. For years, I thought if I define myself in any way by my mother's death, she will be good and pissed. And that was really what I believe. <laughs> I still feel that way. <laughs> she knew I had a public relations firm. She knew yeah. I was there were all these kind of things I think that were really connected to my knowing that she was really proud of me. Mm -hmm. I think to let that go was some kind of detaching myself from her and also that her death wasn't sad over time. Like it was sad that she was not a part of my future and still remains terribly sad to me, but I knew she wouldn't want me to live forward in that way that she would want me to soak it all up right she mm -hmm. lived 50 and when we all were looking back at the things that she did and accomplished charities like you name it it was so full it was definitely mm -hmm. short but it was really full mm -hmm. so I kept meeting the motherless daughter in every room that I was in every grocery line everywhere I would go I really feel before I was totally tapped in that it was definitely the universe saying, come to this side. And I would always be sent someone who experienced a loss of their mom. You should talk to my friend, Barry. I think I just had it a little further in my rearview mirror than most. And I was very vocal and verbal, mostly because I was so curious. Nobody used the words grief or grieving when my mom died. I still think we're pretty grief denying society and we're not very good at expression around grief and end of life. But I just found myself opening workshops, peer guided things, very small things for mother loss until I just had the calling to make the circle bigger. Mm -hmm. bigger. I saw a shaman 
<laughs> of all things. We're uh, all in. How all tell in. us everything about that. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we want to hear everything. <laughs> and my mom was totally into it, which is really what made me interested. Um, and the shaman said, you have to collaborate. There were all these like clues. I had seen mediums. I, I was really trying to get her high five. Mm. And in one session, as we were closing out, the only bit of advice that my mom had before we closed out our session was don't make it sad. And I think that had always been my fear. Mm-hmm. And that right when I left that session, I thought, who could I collaborate with? There was someone that was super interesting that I had an idea that I wanted to collaborate. There was an intake form about how to work with her. And at the very end of the intake form, it said, and what else would you like us to promote? And literally out of my fingers, I had never searched it. I had never thought of it. I had never spoken it. Out of my fingers came the memory circle. It's funny you said that about don't make it sad and about the fact that your work is about the mother loss community in some ways and losing your mom because I have a similar feeling is that sometimes I think my mother would be like, Rage, it's enough already. Stop talking about me. But also that you just said, don't make it sad because Stephanie and I, when we were recording your intro, we're like, we don't want to be sad today. And we're not sad today because you can talk about this amazing organization you started called the Memory Circle. And even though it, it is about grief and loss, it doesn't have to be a sad thing. And I picked up on something you said, which is you're making the circle bigger. So how do you make the circle bigger? Well, I've invited in all kinds of loss, death and non-death loss outside of mother loss. I see people one-on-one. I help folks learn to live with loss. I don't ever believe we get over it. I feel like it companions us. Speaking of accessories, I have likened it (laughs) to a cardigan. I say sometimes over our shoulders lightly as we would wear it over maybe a sheath. Sometimes it's super itchy and you can't wait to take it off. Sometimes I have one button and it feels like a superhero cape and it's just companions me, right? It's always, it's like this invisible cloak that I have just named my cardigan. And I think the modalities that I teach and the ones that have helped me and the ones that I've studied with every leader in the grief space that you could think of are the ones to me that feel like movement forward, power over the unthinkable. How can we reframe things? And for some that is even wearing your people's accessories. And speaking of that, so we understand that you're a collector, you're a memory maker, and you've been that way for as long as you can remember. And of course, it goes without saying that Rachel and I totally understand that, especially given this podcast. And so we're curious about what kinds of things that you collect that help you to create and and have these memories and, and keep those memories alive for you. My clients don't even have a photograph of their loved one because we're living in this digital age. So in a frame, Mm -hmm. print them. And I have quite an extensive collection of sterling silver frames. I also think that even the smallest piece of handwriting Mm -hmm. is to frame. So sometimes I'll just look for something at a flea market, a vintage frame. Sometimes I even will look for art that reminds me of my mother. I have a few pieces that are not portraiture of my family, but they remind me of mine. I collect 
black and white photographs, you name it. But yeah. I use the things that I collect. I also love vintage jewelry, vintage handbags, you name it, old yeah. and new. Or I love the way that it mixes together. I love, always love something vintage with something new. And I, my mom was much more of a doer, of an experiential girl. Mm-hmm. And she used to say to us, like we were last at the beach, last at the mall, last at the, we were always like soaking up the the last bits of the day. And she used to say, lean forward, girls, we're running on luck. Like the gas tank was always on E. <laughs> I love that. That's so Oh my good. gosh, that is so cool. <laughs> used to torture my grandmother, sit cross-legged on the bed, <laughs> make my grandmother get rid of everything in her closet, like annually. She was very organized in that way. So to me, it was also like a knee-jerk reaction to my girls having some things of mine that were meaningful. Mm-hmm. To me, that was not just stuff, but it was like a small bit of engraving on the back of a charm bracelet. It was noting first steps with beautiful baby books. It's all of those memory making things. And also for me, mostly it's been about writing. It's interesting that you brought up writing because we also wanted to ask you about your writing because you're a beautiful writer. And one piece that I've probably texted the link to 50 people this summer was your piece that you wrote in Zibby magazine called I'm learning to love what is left of my father. I think you sent it to me several months ago when my dad was sick and I found it to be so helpful. And then my dad passed away and I still find it to be helpful. So can you tell me what writing that piece has done for you and the reaction that you've gotten for people? And we'll link to it in the show notes because it's a really a great piece. Oh, thank you. The part that's so hard is that my dad was this beautiful, creative advertising executive. He was a madman and mm-hmm. he started to not remember there was such a difficulty in the loss that was right before me, but the very alive, thriving, joyful man that was also before me. And so in writing, learning to love what's left, it was a way of telling him stories about himself. It was a way of me helping him remember some of the things that were still deeply rooted It was also just meeting him exactly where he was on any given day. Sometimes that was a made up word or a made up place or that he had to be at a meeting and we would just be with what was there. And I think that's the beauty of what remains. Whatever is left is where we meet him. And also things like there's a Scrabble set in his um, memory care home. And I think that is not going to work very well. (laughs) But at the same time, we, in meeting him where he is, I started to use the letters and make all of our names. Mm -hmm. And I was, who's that? And who's that? And who's that? And I pointed to his name and he looked at me like I was, had three hats and he was like, me. And it was so (laughs) funny. But I think that's just the lesson. Sometimes it's a chorus of, you remember, don't you remember? You remember. And of course, they don't. So there was a period where he knew that he was not remembering things that were very important. We found a 
desktop worth of paperwork that looked like a beautiful mind. It was all of our names written over and over and over that I know that he was trying to keep them all in the front of his memory. Wow. Speaking a little bit more about writing, you offer writing workshops. And so you're helping clients through those, through counseling sessions, and you're really helping people process. And so that work has to be rewarding on many levels. Can you talk us through about what that experience is like for you and seeing how people are able to come along on a path? Absolutely. For a very long time, I wrote about my mother and not to my mother. And I think there really is a lot to the relationship that you can have with your loved one, even after they've passed, whether you believe that's across the veil, it's signs. In writing, there is so much good science now that says that the part of our brain we use, especially in writing by hand, which feels like a lost art to many of us that are on screens and keyboards. Sure does. That the brain responds in healing. And also when we write to our loved ones, our body doesn't really know whether cellularly our person is earthly or otherwise. Mm. And so I feel this beautiful connection made when I do it. And also the idea that for clients that you can create resolution, you can apologize, you can make peace when you think that the relationship is no longer, it's there. It's very much there. It's interesting to also invite my mother in those kinds of writing pieces. And they're just journal ideas, prompts that I can invite her in. So if she's missing, for example, another big day on the calendar, like my daughter's college graduation. Dear mom, if you could have seen Emma today, she graduated cum laude from BU. I would invite her in. So it wasn't just maybe wearing her purse to theater, but in another way of inviting her into my everyday, it was to incorporate her into the event in a way that felt like it was meaningful, sharing the details with her. I almost feel like it's like creating a phone line, right? With the longest, but- a good cellular service. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ten, yeah. 10 bars. <laughs> yeah. And writing for people for whom that's, I was a paid writer for most of my life. And yet I had never written to my mother. And it was really a book that I read by one of my mentors, Claire Bidwell Smith, in which she writes this chapter after meeting a gentleman who had a really tenuous relationship with his dad and he had some resolution that he felt like now what now I'm never going to be able to I really want to say and she invites this practice in as a way of relieving some of his anxiety Hmm. and so I tried it and I thought my goodness I can't believe I have never done this and it was more has it it helped it's beautiful I feel connected and of the way it made me feel when I did the exercise itself. Now it's something that I incorporate into circle and as a writing prompt, it's a difficult one that writing letter to a loved one, but in small pieces, sometimes I'll prompt and bring that in. But for a lot of people, the writing brings up things in their subconscious that are very hard to say. Sometimes we can't find the words for them, but when we 
come to the page, it uncovers and unfurls something that may be really deeply rooted or very hard to speak. And then I think it's almost like memoir in spirit. You get to sit down next to yourself and visit with whatever that is that came up for you. And so that's a, a form of movement. And that's what we're really looking for. Some movement forward and different modalities. And to me, it's all like what works, what feels good mm-hmm. today and and what can we try? Because it's a, like I said, it's a, a very long arc and something that I'm always fascinated to explore new ways to connect with her. It's so interesting that you brought up that letter because I'm just remembering now, Barry, when we connected, I think it was last winter or spring, you had mentioned the letter writing to your mom. And I think you posted your letter to her. I think it was on your website, which we'll link to in the show notes. And my mother's been gone almost 20 years and I talk about her a lot. I write about her a lot, but I never considered writing her a letter until we had that conversation. And I wrote her a really long letter and it was so helpful for me. So I'm like a poster child for you because it really does help to do that. I'm thinking of writing a letter to my dad, actually. You should. Yeah. I think in sharing it and these tools, I feel like we're also teaching others, you know, like then you become a beacon for others who are grieving. You know, you become a light that this isn't always a sad conversation, but sometimes it's, I think, leaning into creativity for some that's painting, for some that's writing, for some that's something out of their belongings, right? That's making a pillow out of their fur coat or whatever that is. It's Um, all the things. Whatever makes meaning for you. I was terribly sad that I didn't speak at her funeral. Everybody told me it's too much. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people realized, I think, much more than me, that it was a, such a traumatic, sudden loss. Yeah, You had no preparation at all. But it ate me up and mm. I I wrote it. And this is the eulogy. This is what I would have said. And then I was able to sh- share it out. And whether that was with just my Instagram followers or Substack, whatever that is, to me, it was this beautiful cathartic moment of just being able, this is what I would have said. Hmm. We feel like we could talk to you forever, as we often say to a lot of our (laughs) guests, but we really, really mean it. You also became a certified yoga instructor. And how did you, and how do you still incorporate yoga in your life? Because shocker, we're interested in yoga too. I feel like that the mat is my, I roll it out and I practice every day, but I roll it out and I just know I have arrived. It's like a sense of grounding. It's a sense of being in body. I think sometimes we can feel very disconnected when we are in grief. Um, So for me, it feels like I know how to show up for me in yoga. As a teacher, I was just curious. I had been practicing for so long. It was just a way of deepening my practice. What really lit me up was meditation. And as part of the practice, we had to meditate 30 minutes a day. And so much came up that I realized was, were anxious thoughts. And so it really helped me to manage some of those thoughts that I say are on loop when you can get Mm -hmm. 
Thinky. <laughs> it gave me a way. And, and a lot of people think meditation is so that you can clear and be completely clear. No, it's so that you notice what your brain is actually thinking, like its job to bring those thoughts. But it allowed me to help process a lot of what my dad was going through. And that was tremendously helpful. My worry for him was so enormous. And being able to sit in meditation and find that quiet and find that resolve as part of training was really a gift. So sometimes I offer meditation as part of a guided meditation as part of our writing workshops so that we can just get grounded and embodied and land. There's so much that we have going on in a busy day, finding the quiet time, really, the quiet to be in that writing mind and space. Yeah, but I feel like that's my magic carpet, that yoga mat. Can we go back to the accessory for a sec? Do you wear it every day now? Just about. It can get wet, but I'm really conscientious of not wanting to know what happens if water seeps in here. (laughs) I'm pretty good about taking it off and on. Sometimes, and I know my mom would appreciate this, if it doesn't, if the neckline is not right, goes, I don't wear it. Right. Um, And I have a lot of accessories. So I would say it's treasured and and very special. And I made it tiny on purpose so that even if it's tucked into a shirt, it's with me and and very close to my heart. I'm asked about it everywhere I go. Mm. Interesting. Inside and people come real close. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good conversation piece. I have to say, you're wearing it very well with some cool layered turquoise or green necklaces. It looks very cool. Massive beads. And yeah. yeah. And sometimes I just layer it all on and don't pay any attention. And somebody will zoom in and just say, What's that? Yeah. That's very cool. What a Um, neat piece. Conversation. (laughs) It is a good conversation piece. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, Barry, where can our listeners find you? Where do you want them to go to learn more about you and the cool work that you're doing? I'm an Instagram girl. So at the memory circle, but I'm also at thememorycircle.com. That day that I typed that into the computer, it was also all available on every single platform, which was (laughs) amazing. I know. I know. And I think that memory is the thing that keeps our loved ones alive. And that's really, that's really my hope for everybody that you continue the story, whichever way that feels good to wear. Well, that's a beautiful sentiment. And and Barry, it was just such a, a pleasure to have you join us today. And I think we should end on that thought because I think you've just summarized it really beautifully. And um, thank you so much for sharing your story and your accessory and for all the wonderful things you're doing to help people as they navigate grief and keeping memories alive. We appreciate that. And you. Oh, thank you. What a pleasure. Thanks, Barry. It was so much fun. I can say that it was fun talking to you it about was grief. Fun. It actually we was fun. We yep. are not sad. We are, we are smiling. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life's Accessories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in.